I remember the year was 2009. City of Chicago was on fire. Derrick Rose won rookie of the year that year, and the Bulls were back home with their season on the line against the defending champion Boston Celtics. And I remember being so excited because I was going to be in attendance. I remember those times I couldn't even afford to go to Chicago Bulls playoff games, but I went to the game. Game was crazy. Bulls won a triple overtime. D. Rose had over 30. Paul Pierce got dunked on by Joe Kim Noah. Kirk Heinrich even got into a fight. And I remember as I was exiting the United Center, I was, I was just so pumped up. I was so sweating so much that I felt like I was in there hooping. And then as I was walking out with all the thousands of fans, everybody chanting, let's go Bulls, let's go Bulls. I remember knocking into something. And as I looked on the floor, I saw Jesse Jackson. Yes, that Jesse Jackson. As I looked at him, stepped over him like Allen Iverson, the security looked at me like I did it on purpose. And at the time, I just really didn't think much about it. But the more I think about it, Jesse, if you're listening, that one was for MLK. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode. I'm not going to hold you, man, here on HMB Media. Uh, collaboration, of course, with my brand, the Barber's Chat Network. It's going to be a weekly show, man, just to let y'all know what we're going to be talking about. It's sports and culture. You can expect anything. We're going to be talking about all sports, NBA, MLB, NFL, anything that's, you know, in black culture, you know, hip-hop, movies, TV. We're going to get into all, all of that, man. So I appreciate everybody uh, listening, watching. Uh, you can follow me at Barber's Chat Scott on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the Barber's Chat Network at Barber's Chat Network. On Twitter and Instagram, follow HMB Media. On Twitter and Instagram, HMB Media TV. And also, Patreon, patreon.com backslash Barber's Chair Network for everything we got going on there, man. But let's just get right into it, man. We're going to start off with uh, the first segment. We're going to call it a sound off. So basically, every week, I'm going to come on here and sound off about things that are very uh, that I'm very passionate about, whether it be something in sports or culture. And this week, I want to talk about the, the 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 debate of NBA parody. It's been a lot of that going on on Twitter on the Twitterverse lately. A lot of people complaining about the lack of you know current star power, like you know no LeBron James, no Stephen Curry, no Kevin Durant now, and left in the playoffs. And a lot of people complaining about casual viewers and ratings and things of that nature. And what, what what's kind of funny to me is because. Over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of people complain about, oh, well, the NBA is boring because we always know who's going to win. And I was, I'm, def- I'm definitely in that crowd, too. If you look at it, the NBA Finals, to me, hasn't really been exciting in an extremely long time. Like, because we already know, especially before the last two years, we even not before that, you know it's going to be LeBron or Steph or somebody in the NBA Finals. And, and what's kind of crazy to me is you have all these people complaining about that, and we finally have new players in there, new superstars being born, new matchups. You're seeing the rise of Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. You know, you're seeing Luka there. Even with what Trey Young is doing in Atlanta. You're seeing all these new young stars finally get shine. And I just don't understand what's the complaining about. If you were, you know, pro parody, you should be happy about this right now. You know, I'm not saying that LeBron is done or Steph and Katie are done and that we're never going to see them in the finals again. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we need to accept the new talent that's coming in. And this is exciting new talent. To me, it's not like when Jordan retired and you had the little five-year gap 
between Jordan and LeBron. And I say five-year gap because I know LeBron, I know Mike retired in 2001. But I'm a Bulls fan, and the Wizards didn't happen. In my, in my personal opinion, Michael Jordan retired in 1998. So on that five-year, you know, you know, break, there was a lot of, there was a lot of hard hoops to watch. Now, of course, you had Kobe and Shaq, you know, them three-peating during that time. You know what the Spurs did and things of that nature. But it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing basketball to watch. These newer kids right now is, is, is so fun. I'm having so much fun watching Devin Booker, having so much fun watching Trey Young. And listen, Trey Young was a guy, honestly, he shut me up. He shut me up. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he is right now. So I just want NBA fans to just enjoy this new hoops we're watching right now. Enjoy the changing of the guard because whether we like it or not, you know, LeBron, KD, and Steph, their best days are behind them. Like they're 33, 32, 36 years old. It's only down from here. You know, so you need to embrace the new young blood. And just if you're the NBA, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't care about the casual viewer. But it's going to be your actual fans that's going to keep the sport in the league alive. Like, if you look what we're doing, what they're doing in the NFL. The NFL is, you know, last year we had Kansas City and Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Now, granted, you have the star power of Tom Brady and, you know, Patrick Mahomes. But you can even see the newer crop of quarterbacks that are dominating the league right now with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, guys who are taking over for the young guard, the old guard of Tom Brady and you know, Drew Brees. All, the, all those guys retired. What Tom Brady's doing right now is not normal. He's not supposed to still be in Super Bowls right now. So well, which, what we're seeing with the NBA is pretty much a change in the guard. And pretty fans just got to shut up and accept it, man. That's pretty much where I'm at with it. So let's get into our rundown, man. We've got a lot of things to talk about on today's episode. Let's start with what's going on in Philadelphia right now. Ben Simmons and the process. Ben Simmons, I am not a fan of his. If anybody follows my Twitter account, I've never been a fan of his. Uh, Kangaroo Kid Gilchrist is what I like to call him. Uh, <laughs> I just don't see how you can be a guy who is as tall as him, is physically gifted, and just refuses to shoot the basketball. Just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's kind of the same complaint I have with Giannis. I have with Giannis, but not to the certain degree because Giannis, even though Giannis doesn't have a jump shot, that doesn't stop him from shooting, even though it should. He should not be shooting as many threes and, and, and mid-range jumpers as he does, but it doesn't stop him. He still finds other ways to be aggressive and, and make winning plays for his basketball team. And that's just something we have not seen Ben Simmons do, and that's something we didn't see him do in this series alone. There's no reason for four straight games you're not even shooting in the fourth quarter. That makes no sense. The play we saw in game seven, of basically he had a free dunk. And he's passing in that situation. And to me, I think it's a mental, mental uh, problem at this point. But if you look what Philly's been doing in general, which I, I won't say I'm, I'm kind of anti-tanking. I'm anti-tanking because, as we're seeing with Philly, it doesn't guarantee anything. You went through all those years of terrible, terrible basketball. And they were doing it on purpose just for you to get second-round exits. This is a team that hasn't been to a conference final since the Allen Iverson days 20 years ago. So, to me, I, I, I'm kind of enjoying watching what six fans are going through. Because, like, you asked for this. And, basically, you, if you're the Sixers right now, Ben Simmons, he's lowering his trade value. It's already going to be hard to trade him with that contract. But to see him out here and just the effort, he's not even putting in any effort for this team. And, and he's not the only person to blame. I think it would be very ignorant to just throw all up on him. That's something I didn't like when I saw the postgame interviews on Sunday, I didn't like how Doc Rivers basically threw him on the under the bus, saying, 
I don't know. I can't answer that question if you can win a championship with, with Ben Simmons. I didn't like Embiid basically saying, well, we had a chance until, you know, we refused to shoot and then miss at the free throw line. Embiid wasn't good. Embiid was terrible these last couple games. He was terrible in game five, another game they should have won. He was very, very timid in game seven. And even though this, to me, it, it signals the end of the Ben Simmons era. I just don't see any situation where you can bring him back next year. And if I was Daryl Morey, I'd have been pissed when I heard these interviews because basically you're lowering his trade value. And, you know, we, we hear the rumors of Ben Simmons not really being focused. Uh, you know, everybody said if he, could, if he spent as much time as he did picking up IG models and fixing his game, he'd be a much better player in the league right now. And if you're Philly, you're in a messed up position. I don't know where they go from here. You know, because even if you trade Ben Simmons, what are you going to get back from him in a capacity that can help you you know, win the championship again. And this is the perfect opportunity for them with all the injuries that Brooklyn had. You know, Brooklyn's going to have Kevin Durant back next year. They're going to have Kyrie Irving. They're going to have James Harden. And you expect they're gonna, that they're going to make the proper moves in the, in the, in the offseason to build a, a better defensive ball club around them. So you kind of you kind of pissed off an opportunity that Milwaukee has right now to win the NBA championship, man. So I just don't like what's going on in Philly right now. And I kind of, I don't feel bad for the fans. You know, they were so, you know, process this, process that. And, and the process failed, man. This is really what, what that comes down to. Let's get to our next topic, legacy games. Another uh, Twitter word that I can't stand because it's kind of like, we're expecting, you know, the thing about Michael Jordan, as you see in the background, we got Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the best player of all time. But Michael Jordan, I kind of compared to 50 Cent a little bit. And I said with this one, with 50 Cent and Jay-Z, nobody gave a damn about album sales before those two. Like you never heard anybody talking about, oh, well, my favorite rapper did this or that before those two. Michael Jordan, to me, is the gift and the curse. He's a gift, obviously. I'm a Bulls fan. They won a lot of championships for us. But we expect players to live up to that persona of his and it's just really not fair and it's to me it just really shows how great Jordan was because what he did we haven't seen I don't think we ever will see before and it's just kind of like one of those things where what are you every every player's legacy is on the line like there's a legacy game for Kevin Durant which was stupid to me Kevin Durant is a two-time NBA champion two-time finals MVP won an MVP and he's got like every scoring record you could imagine uh and we're out here, oh, if he doesn't win this series without his best players, it doesn't matter. And to me, it's just like, even with the LeBron thing. Now, we all know, you know, if you follow my Twitter, you know I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan. But even with LeBron, with the with Sun series, I wanted to see a lot of a little bit more fight from him. I didn't, I didn't really I like how he just pretty much just let Phoenix just go in there and take his shit. You know, like none of the last three games were remotely close. But he didn't have nothing. to. I wouldn't say he had anything to prove. You know, once LeBron finally won that championship, I mean, it was, it was solidified. Not only that, he's got four. No matter how you, no matter how either one of us might feel about the bubble, even though I think that was a government experiment, but he still has four NBA championships. He has nothing to prove. And it's to the point where everything shouldn't have to be legacy involved. Like, are we really going to kill these cats' career because they didn't uh, do certain things and it's also like you can't have it both ways like we're going to clown players who don't win championships prime, prime example look at Charles Barkley Charles Barkley gets shitted on on NBA TV not NBA TV but TNT every week Shaq makes a joke about him every week I mean you got Kenny Smith out there talking crazy Kenny Smith is you know I'm not gonna you know shit on Kenny Smith I think he was a, a decent player when he played he ain't Charles Barkley 
Charles Barkley is one of the greatest players of all time, and you're and Kenny Smith is talking crazy to him. And that's why you've got these players. They know they're gonna they're gonna get talked down on, and they form these super teams. So we can't get mad at them for doing that. Like it's like you're slandering them either way. If they lose, we're killing them. If they win, you didn't do it the right way. And what exactly is the right way? Exactly. Have if you if you look at it, like if you look at. I feel like people's criticism of super teams is that the fact that they're, they're mad that their team doesn't have a super team. My main beef with LeBron with the Heat thing was he didn't come to Chicago. If it was LeBron, D-Wade, Bosh, Derrick Rose, Joe Kuno, I wouldn't have gave a damn about anything anybody was saying about super teams and things of that nature. So we need to let these players you know, not put so much on them every day. And I'm not saying if you don't win that, you know, they shouldn't get the criticism. That, that comes with the game. You know, my favorite sports quote is Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. And even when we saw with Paul George the other night missing those free throws, you're going to get the shit thrown at you if you don't deliver in those big situations. But it shouldn't everything be a legacy game. And I just feel like it's something that needs to stop. Very quickly, man. But let's talk about the playoffs. We're in the conference finals. Late in the conference finals because usually at this time the NBA season is over. And, uh, you know, you can even just see that by seeing all the anniversaries. Oh, it's 25 years since the Bulls three-peated. Uh, three years since, two years since Kawhi and the, and, the, and the Raptors won. Like, we're still playing basketball right now. But we're in the Western Conference Finals. Of course, when you'll be watching this game, three will be tonight. The Phoenix Suns are up 2-0 on the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, and we just got breaking news in that Chris Paul will be returning tonight in Game 3. And Kawhi Leonard, we still don't know the status of his knee injury. The Clippers have been very quiet on that. Last week, it was rumored that it was an ACL tear. Now they're saying it's a knee sprain. We don't know if it's a, it's a, it's a severe one or is it minor. We don't really know. But let's talk about the series in general. I feel like the Clippers blew a golden opportunity in the Game 2 to steal one. You know, Devin Booker did not have a great game. I think he was like 5, 4, 17 or something of that nature from the field. Uh, he even missed a great great percentage of the, uh, the third quarter, when, you know, when he got those stitches from running into Pat Bear. But those last couple minutes, and the thing about Paul George, I'm a Paul George fan. I mess with Paul George mainly because I feel like he gets a lot of unnecessary slander sometimes. But this man ain't do himself no favors, man. When you're in a situation and he was going shot for shot with Book, in the fourth quarter, and you get a turnover, big-time play by Patrick Beverly, getting that ball back when he stole it from Devin Booker, all you got to do is hit two damn free throws, and you miss both of them. It's like it's like he could see the door of slander closing, and he was like, ah, 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 let me open that motherfucker real quick, and he just went there and completely jagged the free throws. You cannot do that, and I know this is the third time that they're going to be down on to but Phoenix ain't like those two other teams. You you can't go into a situation and lose both road games when arguably the team's best player has not played a second. Now they got you where you want you. Now I don't think the series is over. I do think the Clippers will protect home court. I think they'll win both of these next two games in Los Angeles. You know, they're at 100% capacity for the second time this season. I do think they'll bounce back. But they had a golden opportunity and they blew it. But at the same time, you got to give it to Phoenix. You got to give it to Monty Williams, who I feel like, you know, a lot of people say he should have been the coach of the year. I don't have a problem with that, even though I think Tibbs did more with less. You know, they have a lot more offensive talent on Phoenix Suns than they got in New York. I don't I don't know. I know Knicks fans, they like to talk about the, those players they got over there. But 
I got to give it the tips on that one. But the, the great play, Monty has had a lot of great plays that's coming out of timeouts, a lot of sideline great plays. But that play to DeAndre Aiden at the game, too, was awesome. And if you're the Clippers, you can't allow that. I don't know how they allowed him to get that open, uh, but that's just it's, just, it's just a bad, bad move at the end there. So, but I got to give this to DeAndre Aiden. I think this whole playoffs, like I said in the sound off, you're seeing these young players really step up to the plate and uh, and actually dominate the way we all expected them to. DeAndre Aiden was one of the players who was getting shitted on as soon as he got into the NBA. Him and Trey Young, both from that draft, were getting shitted on as early, even as late as this season. There's articles this season going into those guys, and, and he's had a great postseason going out there. Even when Anthony Davis was, was playing, he was doing pretty solid against them, and that was really a key for them getting one of those first two wins in that series against the Lakers. And then you go into this pass round, going head-to-head head head with Jokic. Now, of course, Jokic is MVP. He's going to get his. But DeAndre Ayton held his own. And this series right here where the Clippers don't really have any bigs, he's been going out there and he's been beasting and taking, taking care of what he's supposed to in these first two games. And just to see that whole little revival of his career, I think it's awesome and I think it's dope to see. And Phoenix right now is on a crazy run. I mean, it's damn near July, and these dudes have not lost a game since May 27th. So we got to give credit to them on that one. Uh, Phoenix, uh, I'm really interested to see how they're going to play on the road in this situation. Now, Denver, they pretty much, you know, kicked Denver's ass in those two games. But Denver's not, the Clippers are a better team than Denver, I feel, even without Kawhi Leonard. And it's going to be, you know, some, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, hostility coming into Stable Center for them. So I'm just interested to see how they're going to adjust to that. You know, is Chris Paul, is he going to be any, any, is there going to be any rust there? I mean, he hasn't played. By the time he plays, like, 11 days. So that's going to be really interesting to see right there, man. But Phoenix is really killing it. And I think that they have – I think they're going to go to the finals. I do think they'll wrap up the series. I had Sixers – not six. I had uh, Suns and Six if Kawhi Leonard didn't play. We don't know what Kawhi Leonard's status is going to be. Uh, but if he doesn't come back, I think they should be able to uh, wrap this series up. Now, let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, man. The Eastern Conference Finals. Now, by the time you watch this, Game 1 will already be in the books. But since we're recording this on a Wednesday, I don't know what happened in Game 1, but I'm just going to preview it and what I think is going to happen. Uh, with Milwaukee, man, I think Milwaukee, this is their golden opportunity. If you look at how the league, everything is going around the league, they're not going to have to run into the Lakers. Uh, Phoenix wins this series. They're not going to have to run into the Clippers. And even if they do run into the Clippers, it might be without Kawhi Leonard. And then you just you just sl- you just you know took care of the beast in the East, which is the Brooklyn Nets. Now, granted, James Harden was on one leg, Kyrie Irving was not playing, but there's no excuses come this time of the year. Injuries happen. They went out there, and Kevin Durant made it a very very uh, difficult thing for them to do. But Giannis went out there and dominated. You know, I was a big Giannis fan really up until last year. I just could not take how he played <laughs> at the end of games. You know, I just didn't like he has this running back style of offense that I just don't feel like can win you a championship. But Chris Middleton stepped up huge. To me, Chris Middleton is the MVP of that last series. And I'm not the biggest Chris Middleton fan either. Not that I think Chris Middleton's bad. I think Chris Middleton is a decent player. He's a good shooting guard on the team. I just don't know if he's your number two on the championship team. But he definitely played like it in his last series. And I feel like here, if Milwaukee doesn't win the championship this year, when are they going to do it? Brooklyn's going to be back. You know, the Lakers are going to reload. The Clippers are going to be back. Uh, Denver's going to be healthy next year. So there's going to be other teams 
popping up. So this is their golden opportunity, their golden ticket. And I think this is going to be the easiest series of the playoffs. You know, this is no disrespect to the Atlanta Hawks. I got I respect their run. Uh, this is a team that Atlanta, coming into the season, I thought they were going to be fifth seed because of all the additions that they had in the offseason, the Bogdanovich signing. And they just really did not play good for a great majority of the season until they got rid of Lloyd Pierce and brought in Nate McMillan. And they've been one of the hottest teams in the league. I definitely picked them to beat the Knicks because I don't believe the great offense would be the great defense any day of the week. And they took care of that with the Sixers. Now, I did pick, if you listen to the Ball Don't Lie podcast on the Barbershare Network, uh, me and my homie Dante, you can check that out. Uh, I did pick Atlanta to win in six only because I didn't think Embiid was going to play. Now, Embiid did play to end up winning in seven, and I feel like that's something that we, there's something for them to, to build on. Atlanta is playing with house money right now. Anything that they do is just going to help them in the future. But they're just running into a team that I feel like is, is, is on fire right now, Milwaukee. They're not going to have any answers for Giannis. And I think Ben Simmons, even though we give him a lot of shit for what happened in that last round, I think he did a solid job on Trey Young. Trey Young didn't have the best of series. He was actually got off on game seven until those last couple shots. And Drew Holiday, this is where Drew Holiday's got to step up and really guard this man and, uh, you know, put pressure on him. And de- defensively, it's going to be a different ball game. This is a team, Milwaukee might be the best defensive team in the league. So it's going to be a very hard matchup for them. And I don't see this series going more than five at all. And to me, the only way I can see it going five is if Drew Holiday doesn't play the best of defense on Trey Young and Trey Young can be as good as he was in the Knicks series. And when Trey Young's on fire, it's just going to open up more opportunities for the rest of this team. This is a series where they definitely could use DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Of course, both of them will not be playing. So I think, uh, I think Milwaukee is going to win this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a big thing for them. I don't think Milwaukee's been in the finals since they won. I don't, not 100%. I might be wrong about that, but I think that's the case. So uh, this is just really their series to lose, man. I think Atlanta is going to be a good run for them, but I think it is going to end. Um, but uh, let's get into Major League Baseball, man. This is a sticky situation going on in MLB. Now, of course, when you watch this show, and the one thing you got to understand, I can't stand Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred, who was the MLB commissioner, I think is by far the worst commissioner in sports. And that says a lot when you got guys like Gary Bettman running the NHL. But what he's doing in general, let's just get to the dumbass extra innings rule, which is some of the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. And I understand you're trying to speed the game up, but there should not be a runner on second. And Rob Manfred knows this dumb because this rule doesn't even exist in October in the postseason. You got that rule of stupid. But the big thing that we're seeing the uproar right now is on the the pitching, like the sticky pit things that they put on the balls for the pitchers going to have a bigger grip on it. And we've been seeing how that's really influenced some of these, a lot of these low batting averages. Like, it's been disgusting offense league-wide. Like, we're at a point where 230 is league average for batting average. Now, I know batting average is overrated compared to the last couple years because we've got different analytics and different stuff that, that we care more about, like on base percentage and things in that, that things that nature, OPS. So it's not as important. But we're if you're a casual fan, I understand baseball is an acquired taste. Baseball is my second favorite for, sport after uh, football. And people tell me all the time, baseball is trash. How do you watch that? I get it. I can't defend that. But Rob Manfred is making it worse than it needs to be. So 
I'm not against having these sticky substances not be part of the game because I don't think it should be a part of you. I don't think it should enhance uh, anything that you're doing. And my problem here, and I think it's the problem with majority of the pitchers right now, is you're changing it midseason. So you have these guys who've been using these substances for 60-plus games, and now you're taking away from them. They don't even have any time to adjust. And now you've got, you know, they're doing strip searches, basically like how when you're going in a TSA, where every inning the umpire is checking the hat and the glove of the pitcher. And, and it's very annoying. You can see guys like Max Scherzer last night in their game against uh, Philly. They basically strip searched him. He went up there, he's pulling his pants down, like, what you want me to do? And you're having... Uh, discourse like he's going at it with Philly's manager Joe Girardi and it's another problem I have here coaches should not have managers should not have an opportunity to send out challenges and make the umpire search the pitches when they're already doing this every fucking inning like what are we doing and you got Joe Girardi doing a tough guy act like he's gonna fight somebody like sit your ass down you're not fighting anybody Joe Girardi you're like 50 years old you know, Max Scherzer would probably look at him and he'd be in, in fucking critical condition. So we need to get rid of that. And I feel like it should be for next season. It should have been something that we start in the 2022 season. And if you're a baseball fan, you should be mad about this too because there was already huge talk about there being a lockout in 2022. You know, the, the owners don't want to see anything, don't want to play any of the players, especially after the free agency of 2019. Where, you know, I have other free agency. NBA free agency is probably the best thing in sports. It moves pretty quickly. NFL free agency moves pretty quickly. In 2019, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, who were the two biggest free agents, didn't sign until fucking March. Like, it started in November. You have winter meetings in December, and they didn't sign until March so they could get their guaranteed money, $300 million that both of those guys got. And you're seeing more of the of the new new uh you know build from the farm system and not spend money and that's what you see with the Tampa Bay Rays, which I kind of despise because the Rays get all this praise as a is an A one organization because they don't spend money. You just let a Cy Young guy walk out in Blake Snell. Now, granted, Blake Snell's not having the greatest year in San Diego, but that's besides the point. You're just letting talent walk out because you don't want to pay them. And I think that's going to be something that's going to influence the CBA uh, con- CBA uh, extension uh, talks next offseason. So then you add the pitching situation to it. Now it's just even worse. And I'm at the point right now, I think it's 75 to 80% chance that we're not, that if not, we're not going to have baseball next year. It's going to start extremely late. And then you're going to have the same problems we had last year with the COVID situation of these guys not being fully ready for the season. So I think it's just an overall mess. And then, you know, I, I do think the pitchers, even though I'm, I'm 50-50 with it, I'm, I'm on their side about, you know, start it next year. But stop with the crying, too. Like, Garrett Cole looked like he was about to go up there and, and, and cry. He was up there talking about, gosh darn. Anytime a white dude says, gosh darn, you know he's fucking pissed. And then you have Tyler Glass now up there crying about, oh, well, this, is how I, this is how I got hurt. That ain't how you got hurt. You got hurt because you're throwing some bullshit. It had nothing to do with the grip on the ball. Like, like get out of here. So, it, with that type of uh, thing, it's like, I, I see both sides. The uh, the pitcher needs to stop complaining because if you were that good of a pitcher, you wouldn't need that to, you know, strike out people or, or do that. But and if, if you ask all the offensive guys, I think even Chris Bryant said the other day, like, they don't need that. You know, I, I'll take, I'll take uh, the Rays 
and my batting average and my OPS because of this situation. But it just needs to be done better. And then Rob Manfred throwing that out there and then putting his hands behind his back and not even talking to media about it just shows how much of a coward he is. And if if this is the baseball is in a is in a terrible position right now because it, it's not fun. It's not fun. And these kids, no matter if it's black or white, I don't think it's a it's a race thing, even though I want more black players in the game. And I love these guys like Tim Anderson. Uh, I love what we're seeing with Mookie Betts. And just the Seattle Mariners. I love the Seattle Mariners because they're probably like the blackest team in the league. And shout out to them for their uh, city jerseys. It was Negro League inspired. And I really love what they're doing over there. But it's just more of an age thing. Your target demographic should not be 40 to 50. That, that's ridiculous. So you need to, and you've got guys like Tim Anderson, like Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, like Marcus Stroman, who are fun, and you're basically telling these guys, don't be fun. Such is the overall problem there, and I feel like it starts with, you know, changing how the game is, and I think that's something that needs to change ASAP. And uh, welcome back to I'm Not Gonna Hold You, man. We've got our first guest on the show, man. We've got my man J.R. Bang from the Some Dude Podcast, man. You can catch that. Uh, on their uh, the what the what digital on uh, all streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, the whole thing, man. And I wanted to bring Bang on because Bang is one of my day one homies. And for anybody who wants to, you know, blame my reign of terror, blame this guy. <laughs> so it's only right that I have him on, man. And so it's a it's a pleasure to have you on. How, how how's everything going out there? I know you just moved back to the crib. What's going on, bro? Yeah, man, just moved back to the crib, bought a house okay. in the burbs, so I'm waiting to move in. I'm in my uh, my parents' basement. I feel like a um, I feel like a homeless hobo <laughs> right now until these people move out of that house, so I could get up in there. But now nah, I met things is good. Some dudes going good. First black champ on Barbershop Digital is going good as well. Uh, we lit around here, man, and I'm happy to see. If we got you got a sit down show, fam. Got to like you down. got a couch, couch. Michael Jordan in the back. Got the goat in the back, you know what I'm saying? Uh, shout out to the shout out to my great production team, man. We, we, we're doing good, man. So I'm excited to get this going. Uh, man, let, let, let's just get into the current things going on right now, man. We all know the NBA playoffs is cracking off right now. As we're mm-hmm. recording this, the Clippers are down 0-2. A uh, uh, crazy game, too, last night. Uh, yeah. And the Eastern Conference Finals is set to begin. Now, of course, when you hear this, game won't be over, but... As we're recording this, these accounts finals are getting started. What's your thought on the playoffs in general? I know we've been having a lot of people complaining about there's no LeBron, there's no Steph, there's no KD anymore, no big market teams. What's your opinion on that and just the overall hoops we've been seeing this postseason? I love this playoffs. This playoffs remind me more of the 90s than it does anything else. It is a war of attrition. That's what the playoffs has always been. When you look at the 90s, and you especially if you look at Last Dance, you realize that Cass was playing with bad backs, bad knees, bad ankles, bad everything. So I'm not too worried about this because, like, the injuries and stuff, because it's a war of attrition. That's what an 82-game season plus playoffs do. Um, other than that, I like the fact that we're seeing new stars. Um, I remember when Michael Jordan retired and, you know, you had, you know, Tim Duncan and Allen Iverson and all of these cats, Shaq and Kobe, of course. But everybody was still looking for that next Mike, right? Um, in this case, we we're not like it's just moving right along. I have a theory on that, and okay. that's mainly because Mike didn't pass the tor- torch. Yeah. He retired, um, but like everybody else before him and after him, it looks like did. 
Um, so we're seeing that and we haven't had a chance to really see that in quite a while. So like seeing Trey Young, seeing Giannis and all of these cats is dope. And not to cut you off, when you saw, you made an interesting point about the not passing the torch. And when we saw in the last dance, I actually watched it again this weekend for like the hundredth fucking time. Like I, I think the only thing I've watched more the last dance now has to be like Avengers Endgame. Like I've seen it an ungodly <laughs> amount of times. But at the end we when they asked him, uh did he feel good about the Bulls not being able to defend their sixth title? He was like, nah. He said, I wanted to go out there and defend. If I was going to lose, I was going to lose. But I at least wanted to at least yep. pass the torch, like kind of how Magic and Bird passed them. He never got that opportunity. Now, as a Bulls fan, I know I'm in the minority of Bulls fans who think, I'm fine with the way Cross Rook on the team. Because that's my ace <laughs> in the hole for any Jordan-LeBron debate is he never <laughs> lost. But I, I agree yeah. with that. And that little five-year period between Jordan and Bron was something that, you know, a lot of people look at it now as almost a great time. If you were around that time, it was terrible basketball. And like yeah. you said, with this one, it's the, the young guns are showing out way better than they did back then. Yeah, nobody cared about Ray Allen versus uh, um, Allen Iverson nope. or Ray Allen versus Vince Carter. I think I think that was the Eastern Conference Finals, like one that one year when Allen Iverson went. Like, people were still searching for the next. And even though you had all of these great players, Mike never passed the torch. So technically, I would say that LeBron passed that torch, even though he lost um, so early and there was a lot of injuries involved. If Devin Booker and the, and the Phoenix Suns ends up going to the to the finals and winning it, he passed that torch. Yeah. And and, and my favorite picture from this uh, playoffs has to be with him holding the Devin Booker jersey. And, you know, me, you already know how I feel about LeBron. I'm not going to get into too deep detail. But to me, that was, hey, we got a movie coming out. Space Jam, look at the camera, look at the camera. You know, that, that's yeah. kind of how it was back there. But what do you feel of, like feel about these, like, the actual playoffs going, like, this current round? Like, uh, let's start with the West Conference Finals. Those are the two games okay. we have so far. Do you think the Clippers are done? Or do you think they nah. got them exactly where they want them? <laughs> I don't think they got them exactly where they want them, okay. but I don't think they're done. I, I got Phoenix in six. I had Phoenix in six. I still believe that the Clippers are going to win the two games coming up. Um, I think they're going to do the same thing for the exception of they're going to lose the two after that. Okay. Um, I just think that Phoenix is too strong um, and they're too they're not as deep, but the players are playing better than the play, than the bench players for the Clippers. I I'm, I I think I speak for everybody in the Chicago land area. And if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, I apologize to Cameron Payne. Man, wholeheartedly apologize for ever disrespecting you. He had forget the 29 points. He had no turnovers yesterday. Yeah, that was that was huge. That was a huge that was part huge. Right there. He had no turnovers yesterday. So seeing him, how he stepped up in this postseason has been great. Um, seeing seeing Devin Booker do what he do, see Aiden do what he's doing, but just the team as a whole. Like I said, some of those bench players that we've never heard of in our life is stepping up. I don't think they're going to do that, you know, game three and game four. But, you know, when you're at home, it's home cooking. So. Yeah. And it's going to be 100% capacity. It's the second game with 100% capacity. Yeah. I just want it to be a good game because I'm going to game three, so I would be like, you know. Oh, no, it's going to be a great game. I think, to be competitive. <laughs> I, think, I think game three is going to be the best game of the series. Okay. Because they're down, they're at home. You know, if they lose if they lose game three, you can cancel Christmas. It's going to be Suns and Folks. Yeah, and yeah, Suns and, <laughs> Sons and Folks. So Sons and folk. I think – I think that's going to be the best game of the series, and whoever's at that game is going to see a classic. 
Definitely, man. Uh, before we go on to the East, uh, quickly, we feel about the Chris Paul discourse in the media because I kind of feel like they're giving CP3 credit for everything. Like even yesterday, I was watching Sports Center and Stephen A. and, and Mike Wilbon. Like you could feel the 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 energy of Chris Paul and in, in campaign. I'm like, like y'all treat him like a cancer patient, dog. Like, uh, what, yeah, what are you doing here? I always hate when people do that. At the same time, the ghost of Chris Paul was in Cameron Payne yesterday. <laughs> I will say that I. He had no turnovers. I will say this: it's something about CP CB three that we're not going to we're not going to really respect until he's done. Yeah, he's went to every team and he's changed the narrative and he's helped that team grow. And it's not like he went to great team. Yeah, not like he went to LA during that trade. Like if the way this looks now, if he would, if that trade would have happened between New Orleans and the and the Lakers, um, they probably would not have lost the game. If, if this is what I still, as as a diehard Kobe fan, I don't know how that would have worked with Kobe not having a ball in his hand all the time. Like, I, I mean, it still would have been something to to watch. And then they have to give up like Lamar Odom and Paul Gasol in that trade. Yeah, like so that would have been interesting. But but it, but look what's what Chris Paul doing with less. This this is true. This this like is true. that's that's the only thing with Chris Paul. Chris Paul is like the creative player that you put on the booty team and then make them good, and then you go to another team that sucks. And make them good. He's that, and we're gonna have to honor that when, like, in two, three years, when he's done. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't stand Chris Paul for the longest time. Like, he just looked like he had a punchable face. Like, he like a dude. Yeah. Like, you know, if you had some juice in the refrigerator, and you know, you come back from home and somebody drank it, and you ask him like, "Yo, who drank my juice?" And he blush. I don't know who did that. That's yeah. What, Chris Paul looked like a snake. Right. <laughs> Chris Paul looked like a snake. Do. But what I saw, what he did with OKC last year. And, and, you know, I know Phoenix is great. We got to give it to Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden. Miles Bridges, the Sixers look like. Well, I'll talk about the Sixers on the show today, but the Sixers look crazy right now with the Miles Bridges trade. But to see this, the, the Phoenix was a, was a play-in team last year. And for yeah. him to take him from a play-in team to the number two record in the league, you just got to honor, no matter how I might feel about him personally, the dude is a top-five point guard. And I think if he can win the championship this year, it's going to even solidify him even more. And I said it on some dude pod last year when he went to OKC. You know, Mike was looking at me crazy when I was saying, yo, they're going to be a playoff team and they're probably going to be a fourth, fifth seed. Yeah. And everybody's like, ah, nah. And look what happens. It's just him. He, if he wants to, he's going to be in the head coach. Definitely. Um, let's talk about the East, man. The Eastern Conference Finals are kicking off. It's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think anybody saw the Atlanta Hawks uh, showing up in this series. They've gone on, they went on a road, shut everybody up in Madison Square Garden, which I love because anybody knows how I feel about Knicks fans. Uh, I, I wish all <laughs> the bad things in the world for Knicks fans. And then Philly, man. This this. Philly, Philly, just tell me in general what you feel about the the run for both teams. Like Milwaukee finally getting over that hump. No, even though there was, you know, Harden was on one leg, Kyrie was on the sideline making his best Umar memes. What do you feel about this Easter Conference Finals? How many games do you think it's going to go on? Really just the, the journey for both teams, isn't it? Um, this shouldn't go no further than five games. Um, Milwaukee is too big for Atlanta. And they're also fast. So yeah. this is this is not like it's a big slow team. This is a big, long, quick team. And this should be Drew Holiday series. Yeah. Point blank period. Drew Holiday is an all NBA defensive player. I think he was first team this season. So if he's truly an all NBA defensive player, 
he should cover Trey Young, and Trey Young should not get off at all. And if Trey Young don't get off, that team don't go nowhere. I give Trey Young one game where he gives us 30 and 10. But other than that, he's going to be very frustrated and he's not going to be get be able to get his joints off. And if he if he's not, John Collins, Clint Capella, um, Gallinari, um, Rick Roll, nobody's going to be able to do anything. Don't, so don't forget about got, Kayvon. What they call him? Kayvon Herter. Yeah, that's that's Rick Rowe. That's Rick Rowe. That's, that's Rick Rowe, fam. He looked just like Buddy, just a ginger version of Rick Rowe. But nah, um, Bucks and four, they go to the finals very well rested. And um, I-94 is going to be very happy. And Chicago fans are going to be like, God. Uh, yeah, Chicago is it's, it's Milwaukee. If it's Milwaukee fans, it's two cities that you just like. You know, Phoenix to me is like Arizona in general is kind of like Indiana with like palm trees. But, you know, that's going to be one of them. Man, do I really want to go to any one of these, one of these series? You know what I'm that's, that's really all it is, man. It's, Bam, it's, Arizona is, is Indiana with palm trees? Yeah, it's, hey, as, far as, as far as, you know, it's a lot, a lot of Trump votes out there. But it um, is. It's a lot it is. of. But, I've, um, been out, I've, I've been out there a couple of times. It's. <laughs> it's hot and dry. The best you thing about Milwaukee is it's an hour and a half away from Chicago. That's the yeah, ain't nothing to do. Milwaukee. Half my family in Milwaukee, and there's nothing to do there. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about, like, with the Nets and the whole situation? Like, I've never seen – like, the KD discourse to me is interesting because I've never seen a player, like, get praised more for losing this game. Like, people acting like KD had to prove something to them. Like, oh, I didn't think you could carry somebody – to, to, to you know to the to the end of this role like so what, what's your whole like do you consider about this to make season? people mad okay i'm, I'm, I'm about right. to make people mad okay go ahead go ahead oh i'm about to make people mad the reason the reason why is we, we're not used to the, the best player on the court going down with the ship okay and what i mean by that is we've seen ample times enough times lebron james greatest player in the world when it comes to him losing the series he looks terrible yeah they lost they lost this game um, against Phoenix. He didn't look so good, and he did. We heard it. We saw the um, the Dallas joint um, when they lost that first his first season in Miami. It didn't look good. Um, I I don't really remember a seeing an extraordinary game from LeBron James where he went down with the shit. Kevin Durant Talk, had an extraordinary game, and he went down with the shit. I'm talking about a a a a career defining game. Like say for instance LeBron James the game that he scored like 20 points in a row against Detroit that game 6 game. Yeah. Imagine if he scores that much but they still lose. That's still a career defining game. Charles Barkley scored like 40 50 points against the Bulls in that double overtime game they lost. But it's like, yo, career-defining game, going down with the ship. That's what KD did, and that's what makes that special because he didn't go out, he didn't quit, he didn't walk off the court halfway, like two minutes before the game is over. He went down with the ship. And sometimes it's more about how you lose than you're winning. Okay. And that's why people was putting all his love um, on KD. It's not necessarily that. You know that it's just because it's KD. He went down with the ship. He didn't give up. He didn't leave the court. And a lot of people, especially LeBron James folks, don't want to hear that. When Michael Jordan lost to Detroit, he didn't. He went down with the ship. Yeah, that's why Scotty gets 
that's why Scotty got killed because he had a migraine. And and that's the I'm glad you said that because the thing that kind of like shocked me was just you know uh, people acting like KD couldn't do it. Like he's one of the most skilled players of all time. And and LeBron thing is good. Like you know my LeBron criticism is really you know. I want you to. I want to see you fight. You know what I'm saying? Like I understand yeah. that, that there's injuries. We we can. When when Anthony Davis got hurt, there was no part of me that thought the Lakers were going to win that series. But I want to see some fight. Not only did I not see some fight, they got the ass kicked for three games. They get, okay. like they got the ass kicked in the game for game five and game six were not close at all. And then for him to just walk off the court, like at least with Katie, they, they went out. You know, he's actually you know congratulating the Bucks. You saw him having a conversation with Giannis at the end. Chris Paul is is one of LeBron's best friends. I saw no type of yo, you go get it, dog, type Damn. of shit like that. Nothing. Bruh, if I if I beat my best friend and my best friend left the court and didn't say nothing to me. Oh, on you the can't court, say nothing to me for a minute. Magic <laughs> Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson is Isaiah Thomas kissed on the dog on court. Magic Johnson went to the and Bulls locker room when they won the championship. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was in the locker room yeah. when them boys beat, uh, when them boys won. Like, I'm not expecting LeBron James to be in the locker room while champagne is flowing. Yeah. But you, I didn't realize that until I got older. was like, yo, Isaiah Thomas is back there celebrating, well, like congratulating the Lakers. And, like, who do that? And like, even- that's the essence of, like, you know, being a – being who you are and being comfortable in who you are and being comfortable, you know, in the way things went. And shouts out to Ime Udoka, who's now the new oh, head yes. coach. Mr. Neil Long. Celsius. Mr. Neil Long. Uh, and, and that's a good point, too. <laughs> Neil, Long in, Neil Long in the garden. <laughs> that's a good point about Jordan, too, because even if you look in the last dance, they lost that game seven when Scotty had the migraine. What did he do? You saw him up there piecing up with, with, with Isaiah and Joe Dumont. You know how you feel about Isaiah. So that's just really all I was yeah. asking about with them. But um, let's make a transition to the Bears, man. Of course, we need to talk about the beloved. Uh, uh, I'm going to start off with what I'm going to ask JP, too, is what was your initial reaction when we got Justin Fields? Like, where were you when we got Justin Fields? I was hoarse right after that. <laughs> That's what I lost my whole entire voice. Um, when when he didn't go to the – when he didn't get drafted by Carolina, I said, there's a chance. Right. That's the moment where I was like, we're getting a quarterback. Don't know which one, but we're getting one of them. And then when it got uh, when they, I knew that Dallas wasn't drafting the quarterback. I was wondering if the Washington football team was going to jump somebody because it was a rumor that they was looking at a quarterback too. So when that didn't happen and Dallas made their pick, I said we're getting one of the quarterbacks. We just got to figure out which one is going to be. And I knew it was going to be Justin Fields because I remember the pro day and how Nagy and the Bears like basically was like in love. Yeah. They said John DeFipio was like giving him plays during his um, his second pro day. So I was like, nah, we good. And then they made the trade with the Giants and then they made the pick and I lost my voice. And here's <laughs> the thing. I hate Ohio State. With a passion, yeah. Like I know your brother loves Ohio he State. Loves Ohio State. He was I, double happy. Like right. I hate your brother during college football <laughs> season. That's how much I hate Ohio State. Yeah. It is personal with me in Ohio State. But I know Justin Fields cold as hell. Like I know, I know a good quarterback when I see him, and I know that it's been a lot of Craig Krenzels and Joe Germains that's came out of um, Ohio we State. And I know he that. ain't them. Yeah. Like, I know he ain't Achilles Smith. I know he ain't some of these other Huff, Huff 
black quarterbacks that didn't came through. But even you know with the quarterback saying? thing, and they're talking, oh, it's just a linebacker you. Like, who was a Texas Tech quarterback before Patrick Mahomes? Like, see, that's why that's why when I see you arguing on, on Twitter and everything, when people start talking about Pat Mahomes and how people talk about, oh, man, I knew Pat Mahomes was going to be cold. I, I say, no, you didn't because you didn't even watch a Texas Tech game. <laughs> hey, let, let's let's stop the cap right there. Yeah. Let's flag on the play. Stop the cap. You wasn't at the crib watching Texas Tech games unless you went to that school because everybody that went to Texas Tech to play quarterback is an offensive coordinator or a head coach right now. And honestly, that's what I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be because of where he went to school at. Because, I mean, basically what you're telling me is that Major Applewhite, um, like Major Applewhite and some of them other cats did everybody disservice but what's my man name now? Uh, what's my man over there? Cl- Cliff Cleansbury Cliff knew what Kingsbury, he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Which and, he but he don't know. But he don't know what he's doing in Arizona <laughs> right now. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. like so j- because of the school he went to, I had no hope in Patrick Mahomes. That right there is the reason why I am cha- I changed my whole thought process about Justin Fields because there was a whole bunch of huff, but now all of a sudden, buddy is good. And seeing what we've seen and hearing what we're hearing, how smart the kid is. I'm going to get throw out a prediction right now, and okay. I know one Let's of the it. things that we go mention is um, the stadium as well. If we get a brand new stadium, that was actually in the next was five go. to yeah. seven years. If we get it, because I'm gonna say five to seven years, because they could get out of that contract. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's like six million. They can. We get we get a new stadium with this boy at quarterback. The Bears will win a Super Bowl in the next ten years. Okay, I'm gonna go one even further. I didn't even before then, but that might be my homework card. But I mean, so, what's your what, I'm, but here's actually, it might be before then, but with the new stadium, because that's what happens. Okay, we well here's the here's the, the nice segue to it. what do you feel about them moving? Because my I'm over to believe I, I'm kind of I've, I've accepted it. It's not that I don't feel like we should get a new stadium. I hate Soldier Field. Soldier Field might be one of the worst stadiums in football. I just wanted to be in the city. You know what I'm saying? Where's so, gonna be at? It's gonna be in Arlington Heights. No, I'm just saying if they put it in the city. But that, and, yeah, that's a good point. Like, but originally yeah. I found out where McCormick Place was gonna be at yep. was the original. Like, that was the McDome. Yeah, the McDome. Right. Exactly. That was the And matter of fact, matter of fact, you can ask JP about his father's. I think his. I think Walter was very involved at one point, even before that, trying to get a new stadium in Chicago after he retired. Okay. And then things was messed up, and I know he tried to bring a new football team in St. Louis. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but, yeah, and I remember that. Uh, but the Mick, I believe he had also had he was trying to help out and do what he can to get a brand new stadium. Um, and then they talked about the McDome, and it was a whole bunch of stuff with politics and all of that stuff. And then I read that they spent more on the renovation of Soldier Field than they would have with getting the new stadium, which is which is insane. Which is insane. So basically, well, I'm just gonna make Bears fans mad here too. If you like that dump. At Soldier Field, then you go and watch a college football game. <laughs> the Bears deserve a brand new stadium. Come on, fam. Look at the Raiders, G. Look at the Raiders in that stadium in Las Vegas. Yeah. Look at SoFi. You've been to SoFi. I haven't right? been there yet. I've seen Oh, you it. haven't been there. I, 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 will, been be there I will be but there week one. I will be there. You'll be there week one. Yeah. That stadium on the outside looking in looks glorious. Yeah. I remember going down to Dallas and I didn't even want to step in the Jerry World because I felt embarrassed to be a Bears fan <laughs> because I see all of these people going in the Jerry's world, but then I gotta go to this dump that soldier field. Look, I understand that we love our city and we love things in our city. But you know what? If Arlington Heights 
gets us the possibility to have what the, the Raiders and what the Chargers and the Rams got and what other people are trying to get, then you know what? We going to Arlington Heights. The Cowboys don't play in Dallas. They don't. They play in Arlington, um, Arlington, the Texas. The Niners play like two hours away from San Francisco. Yeah, the Niners play in Santa Clara. Yeah. I mean, Arlington Heights ain't two hours away. Look, if uh, also you got to think of what the NFL wants here. The NFL don't want them playing I'm in that I'm glad dump. you brought that up because Roger Goodell said today we're 100% behind the Bears trying to make this move. The NFL yes. wants their, the charter franchise to be in a better stadium. They not only want their charter franchise to be in a better stadium, think of the money. Fam, they are better off finding a place out west. Yeah. They're better off finding a spot in the West Loop to have a brand new stadium built somewhere near the United Center so you can have the overhead view of stuff when they do that if you want to keep it in the city. But other than that, you know what the NFL want? What they got in L.A. with SoFi. That's why I do bought all that land in Inglewood. That's why you got all of those hotels and 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 shopping centers and, and they, all of that. And they just paired up with uh, one of the top casinos out there in Arlington Heights. This yes, and, and you know right, the NFL right, no, no, five years. Think about it. It's 2026, 27, week one, the opening of the new Bear Stadium or something like football. Justin Fields bruh, out there, bro. And not only that, like, is the money that's going to be brought in? How that stadium is going to be looked? And the NFL want to offers there. Yeah. Definitely. That's the other part. Yeah. The NFL office, you have they got their office in New York when the whole LA thing happened. And I I was there in St. Louis when the Illuminati situation basically <laughs> happened. Because that's how we that's what we called it. Yeah. We literally thought that that the last minute the Rams was gonna stay, they had everything set up, and then all of a sudden, they whoosh. Gone. And we was in the radio station, like, oh wow. All we got is and, the Cardinals. Like, wow, because I, I won't say I won't say what I learned and what I heard, but it was people very close to that situation that was like, oh, yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. But they was going to finesse it to make right. it look like it. It, it could happen. I well, say yeah. that to say this. We got the office in New York. We got the office in L.A. Now we're going to have it in, in Arlington Chicago. or you find it or you or or knock down Soldier Field and make. A, a big old a make a new soldier field. The I'm Yankees did it. Yankees and had like five Yankee stadiums. Yeah. Uh this is the last thing before I get you out of here, man. Of course, you're a big wrestling fan. You got uh Black Champ Podcast, first black first first black champ podcast on the Barber's Chair Network right now. You can check that out. Now I haven't watched wrestling in an extreme long time, but I I find I I, I I you know watch every now and then. But Jump in, yeah. what would you say is the state of the WWE right now? I think uh you know, with everything going on, we got SummerSlam coming up in like a month and a half, two months. That's going to be in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Okay, now I think there's a rumor Stone Cold might be there. Well, tell me what's going on in the WWE right now. Oh, man, first of all, let me just say the state of the WWE is they are Disney. They okay. are ESPN. They're not ESPN, they're Disney. They're the conglomerate. And because they're the conglomerate, anything that happens is basically going to look bad. Um, so they did a whole bunch of releases. Um, Braun Strowman and a couple other people was released. Samoa Joe recently came back to NXT, so he's back. So people saw those releases and it was just like doom and gloom. Oh, AEW is going to this net. I will, I will, I would just say as far as the WWE goes, they're in great shape. 
they saved a whole bunch of money by not touring, but now that now touring is about to happen. So of course things is going to get back to normal. And now your overhead becomes higher because now you're going to these different cities. Um, but I think that, I think everything is good. I think everything's going to be straight. Roman Reigns is, is go is veering into top, top guy territory. Okay. He's Which he's come a long way. way. He couldn't right. promo a long shit. way. He's veering into that rock stone cold, um section and all he needs is a match versus somebody that's going to really be able to put him over do and you think that will be Dwayne? it's yeah it's got to be Dwayne, okay. and it has to be at it has to be at jerry's world it has okay. to be in the biggest stadium that so, you can and that's gonna so, be yeah. what mania is gonna be at right next year right yeah okay. so yeah it's, it's gonna it's gonna be rocky for that one um but i will also say this is the best time to be a black wrestling fan you got bobby lashley who's the wwe champion um you have multiple world champions that are black bianca belair that that's black so that's dope you got um bobby lashley versus kofi kingston for the world the wwe championship at money in the bank so this is the first time i can remember ever seeing two black men headline a pay-per-view for a world title in the wwe that's fine um i yeah so you know it's happened before just go look up junkyard dog and butch reed um but this is the first time that i can remember it in the wwe but I'll say for the state of wrestling in general, this is the best time to be a wrestling fan. That's why I don't even get mad when people get released and all of that stuff because now it's jobs out there. Right. Like in tw- in two thousand one, when du- when WCW got sold to the it WWE, was one show in town. It was one show in town. If you got fired, you had to go to the Indies. But now I got the WWE, I got ROH, I got AEW, I got Impact, and it's wrestling on Monday through Sunday all week long so if you really love wrestling that's why that's why i be on twitter making fun of and on the first black champ podcast making fun of people who are like pro wwe or pro AEW because i think they're in their base their mom's basement um basically beating off to um some of their favorite wrestlers in those organizations like fam if you love wrestling you know this is the best time for you right Definitely, man. Uh, it's always great to talk to you, G, all the time. Let them know where they can follow you. Let them know where they can get uh, both of your shows out right now. And, you know, let them know where, where they can get in tune with you. Man, some dude pot, you could, you could um, go ahead and get that wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search some dude dot, dot, dot. First Black Champ, just search out Barber's Chat Digital. That's our home. Um, you could go ahead and get us there with that a la carte way of listening to your podcast. So you're going to listen to not only First Black Champ, but you're going to listen to all of our joints. Follow us at Some Dude Pod. Follow uh, First Black Champ at FBC.POD and follow me at JR Bank. Yes, sir. We out. Thank you, bro. We are back, man. Let's uh let's wrap up this episode, man. I've got another guest here. We've got my guy Jared Payton, JP. Uh, he's the host of GN Sports, sports uh, anchor. Uh, of course, also the son of legendary, the goat, Walter Payton, man, a good friend of mine. Uh, actually, one of the other people like we had Jar Bang on here early. He said, "Tell me what up." Uh, he's actually somebody else you can blame for my reign of terror. He had me on WGN a couple of years ago. Uh, so, uh, you and Sean Davis, the homie. Uh, so that was one of the other, you know, places I got the bug to kind of like do this media thing, man. But what's going on, JP? What's, what's, what's going on? By the way, belated happy Father's Day to you. Thank you, man. I'm good, man. Life is good. Chicago's good. Just trying to really just get ready for this bear season and get back to some type of normal, bro. I mean, that's, I was watching some old 
uh, film from last season, and it just was crazy early on. And looking at some of the stadiums just all empty yeah. to now getting back to normal and seeing these these stadiums at full capacity, I think it's going to be a sight to see. And I'm just happy for the players and also for the fans. Okay, cool, man. Definitely. Of course, we're going to get into the beloved, the Bears, uh, real quick. Uh, since you are a Cubs fan, I want to get your opinion on everything that's going with, going on with the Northsiders. Uh, as you can see, I am a White Sox fan, but I am not biased on this show. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but let's just get into it with the Cubs, man. The Cubs are much better than a lot of people expect them to be coming to this se uh, season. They're tied for first place with the Milwaukee Brewers. They've been going through a little cold streak, just like my Southsiders, but a big win uh, against Cleveland the other night. My question for you is, what is have they exceeded your expectations? And I think the big question for Cubs fans in general, what should Jed Hoyer do at the deadline, considering he didn't expect this team to be competitive? Well, I think I'm going to go back to before the season started. I mean, when you got especially some of those core guys that have been from that championship team, from that World Series team, still inside of that clubhouse, I think anything is possible. And when you're saying names like Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, Chris Bryant, uh, Anthony Rizzo, I mean, to me, you know, a lot of people have always counted these guys out. But every single year since 16, you know, people were like, yo, it, the, the bats are coming. The, the offense is going to come. And then it never showed up. I think what you saw in the month of May was a team that was just clicking on all cylinders and didn't really have any pressure because nobody thought that they were going to be as good as they are right now, especially early on in the season. And for me, I think it comes down to to the bullpen of, of being able to have those arms to come in and secure games when you need to. And, you know, we seen already this month, could they carry it over from last month? And it's been tough. I mean, offensively, it's been tough as a team offensively. So, you know, you get guys like Chris Bryant going and David Ross was talking about it, just how you can't keep a former MVP locked down, you know, a slump, he's going to get out of that slump. And once you have those core guys up at the dish doing what they do, I think it kind of energizes a whole ball club. But for Jed, I don't know what you do, man. Like he didn't know. I mean, I don't think he knew what, how this team was going to be, at right now at this moment i think he was kind of like everybody else all the fans just trying to figure out you know what is his team going to do but right. he's going to have some interesting uh opportunities and decisions to be able to make by the trade deadline but as of right now you start to see a team that if they get hot they are hot but when they're cold they are cold yeah. so you know to see those bats get warmed up again in this two games uh, past two game series, it's it's a good thing for them, but they got to find a way to be able to end the month of June strong. And if they can do that going into July, I think it gives them an opportunity to be successful. Yeah, and I think as an outsider looking in, like you know, I, yeah, contrary to probably if I do watch a lot of Cubs games, like I actually don't have a problem with the team. It's it's the fans. Like my mother's a diehard Cubs fan, so I got to deal with that all, all the time. But but um, so from watching them, from what I see, is like to me this next month is crucial. You know what I'm saying? You saw what they did in the Mets series. They got the Dodgers coming up. That's going to be a big one. The Dodgers have, yeah. you know, been reeling a little bit. They've had some injuries. But to me, it's just like, I think it's a no-brainer to kind of sign the core back. You know, if you got guys like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, I'll probably even include him like the core four. To me, when yeah. you're the Cubs, you're up there with the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. Money shouldn't be an excuse. Like it, To me, it should be a no-brainer to at least sign three of them. <laughs> You know, like that doesn't make any sense to me. 
Come on, Scott. Come on, man. You know what type, <laughs> dude. You know, man. It, it's always easier said than done. Oh, for man, sure. When you when when, when it's not your money and it's Definitely. our money, not our money coming out of the pockets. You know what I'm saying? And they're they're signing the checks. I'm with you. I mean, it would be nice. I mean, from it's crazy to think about. My son is nine years old, and all he truly knows, and he loves baseball. All he baseball. knows is the is 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 the Cubs. Yeah. Like he n- thinks the Cubs have always been this good. And I, I have had to tell him, like, bro, you are super super lucky, man. In sixteen, I took him downtown, and on his Twitter account, his 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 wallpaper is us looking down onto the street, both with Cubs hats on, and looking at at, at the at the city, just kind of gathering together. And it put it in perspective, man. It hasn't always been like that. So, um, money, money is always an issue. And I think last year in 2020, I think that was a big concern. You know, you you didn't have that cash flow coming in. You know, like it is probably right now. Now that they have its full capacity, and and what does that look like? And and you buy up all the Wrigleyville, and, and now you create your own like little tiny city. And people aren't going to the hotels. People aren't going to the restaurants. So I know we all look at it, but this is the other issue. When you when you came in and said you were buying the team as well, you know, you made it sound like money was never going to be an issue. Yep. So um, to be able to be competitive, you got to spend money. And that's the only way. If you want to make money, you got to spend money. And I think it's going to be hard keeping all these guys around. I mean, I, I love the core. I mean, you look at what it's all about and, I, I really I think that's what I commend these guys that have from that championship team that are inside that that clubhouse. I give them a lot of credit, man, because a guy like Anthony Rizzo and what he means to the city of Chicago, what he means to the north side and Chris Bryant and what he means to the fans in the north side. Man, these dudes knew that it like it wasn't going to be easy. And they found a way to be able to say, you know, we're going to put that on the back burner and we're going to figure out a way just to go out here and have fun. And that's what we're seeing them do right now with with, with pr- still pressure on their back. But, yeah, if it was up to me, I would find a way to be, at least keep – I mean, can't – Javi's got to stay around. Chris is Chris is probably the guy that you're going to get the most for, yeah. right? I mean, honestly – I think honestly, Chris is gone because of Boris. Boris going to get yeah, that. I, yeah. Boris, Boris wants his cheese. I get yeah. that. I, I totally understand that. But Chris is probably the one – and what we're seeing, hopefully he can pick his game back up. But that is the gift and the curse, right? Yeah. You you want you want a guy to keep playing well for your squad, but then you don't also want him to be a guy that you're going to have to ship out of town. Definitely. To be able to get some assets. So it's a tricky situation. I'm just so glad I'm not Jed Hoyer and have to figure <laughs> this thing out by the trade deadline. Yeah, he definitely got a decision, man. Uh, let's talk about the Blover, man. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Uh, of course, both of our favorite teams. Uh, it's just First of all, before we get into the move, because that's like the topic, hot topic in, in, in Bears Twitter, I'm going to ask you the same question I've been asking every Bears fan. Where were you and how did you feel the moment the earth stopped and we got Justin Fields? Oh, man. I was at work, man. I was sitting there, and there's actually video of me that I posted on Twitter of, you know, sitting there and watching uh, the selection and seeing all the moves that were being made early on in the draft and, and watching these quarterbacks go and, I'll be honest. I didn't think it was possible. I really didn't. I didn't. I was also thinking about maybe a day two quarterback, a guy like Kellamond or something like that, like maybe getting someone and not really thinking about the future. And then now the future is here. And, you know, being at work and seeing the field selection, uh, I think it just changed the dynamics of, of everything 
that Bears fans have been hoping for, have been wishing for, and now it's there right in front of them. And so I think now the hard part is, is trying to be able to taper down our expectations and, and that being Chicago Bears fans, we want that instant gratification. We want Justin Fields on the field right exactly. away. And and I don't know. I just think that if, if we go back and look at our history and our recent history to 2017, it doesn't always work out that way. And I know that he's a different player than Mitchell Trubisky, but there's a, a – the NFL is so complex. The, the the offenses and defenses, what you have to be able to know and read, that having more time to understand that and and get comfortable is, I think, is always a, is going to be a benefit a ball club and benefit the player. For Mitchell Trubisky, he needed more time on the football field, right? Like yeah. he didn't have he a, a lot, lot of snaps time. in college, right? He didn't <laughs> have right. he didn't have that. When you look at Justin Fields, bro. I've been watching this kid since he was in high school, man. Like, he's done it at every single level. Like, he can break down defenses for you. You know, you ever listen to Deshaun Watson after a game and he's breaking down, like they ask him about an interception and he breaks it down in yeah. a way like a coach would break it down? Yeah. That, that's that, that's the, the mental capacity that Justin Fields has. Like, if you ask – Mitchell Trubisky to do that. I don't know how it turns out, man. I'm not sure if he was sitting up there on the podium, not sure how it turned out. Yeah. But Justin's football IQ is through the roof. And I think it comes down to Matt Nagy's ability to be able to connect with that young man and bring the best out of him. And from what I've seen through this Matt Nagy era, it, it can't be, all right, Justin Fields, you need to fit into what we're doing. Now everything has to change the way that Matt Nagy does things, and it has to revolve around what Justin Fields likes and what he does well and build this offense around him. And I think that right there will will determine how successful Justin Fields is, especially early on in his career. Definitely. Uh, one last thing before we get you out of here, man. Let's talk about the possible move to Arlington. Uh, <laughs> this has been a hot-button topic in Bears Twitter. You got some people who love it. They're like, oh, the charter franchise deserves a new stadium. You got people like me where I'm like, I want a new stadium. I'm not the biggest fan of Soldier Field, but I would like it in the city. Uh, what's your opinion on it? Uh, how do you feel about it? I know, of course, uh, you have your 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 base. The Bears are your family. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, you know, your father has that statue outside, which I one of my favorite yeah. statues. Long overdue, by the way. There's no way we should have just got that statue two no. years ago. So, what's your opinion on but, that, and how you feel in that whole situation? Well, I'll tell you what. The statue can be moved, man. Right. So I'm cool. <laughs> nah, honestly, I, I'm all. Everybody always is talking about the future, right? The future of this ball club, future of this franchise, and I just think it's an opportunity that the Bears have to. They they got to look at it. They got to identify if this is something that can actually work uh, for them long term. And I'm not opposed of it. I know everybody loves this tradition. Everybody loves the fact of you know what Soldier Field means, and don't get me wrong, I love it as well. Uh, it, it's it's amazing when you talk about the history. But, man, we're still trying to create history, dude. Yeah, like, like, I don't know what everybody's talking about. Like, I love this franchise more than pretty much anybody, yeah, man. Right. Like, this is this is my family, bro. This is, this is lifelong. My dad, you know, my dad... Uh, 
my, my die, he died for this game, dude. Like, reason why he's not here for what he did to be on the football field all in a Bears uniform. And, you know, the history everybody's talking about, the only thing we talk about is the 85 Bears. And rightfully so. And rightfully so, we should because it's a great team. But – if that that's 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 the history. I know we talk about players. We have players, but I'm talking about teams, like those teams that other you know franchises, like like the Patriots and what Kansas City is doing. I I want that, and to me, you got to be able to keep up with the Joneses when it comes to all those things in the NFL. It's not just it's your facilities, it's the players, it's your coach, it's all that stuff. And I think Arlington Heights will give them an opportunity to create their own city it'd be like it'd be crazy where they could have everything on site and for the fans i think it would be a great experience but also too i think for the bears it would give them an opportunity to catapult into another atmosphere when it comes to nfl franchises and what they should be because and we it's a charter franchise but what we're still when it comes to facilities especially our stadium, we're, we're not there. Yeah, You know, you go you go out to SoFi, you go out to the West Coast, you go out to, to Vegas, everybody, state of the art, man. The Bears deserve that. And, I mean, staying at Soldier Field, I just don't see that's not going to happen. And it gives an opportunity for, for Chicago and the Chicagoland area to have more things, Definitely. whether it's Super Bowls, whether it's Final Fours, NCAA man. basketball tournaments, whatever it is, it gives us more opportunities and – and I think with what they create, they could create something that not only creates something good for them, but for the people around them, create more jobs. And it's something that I think they definitely have to look at. I'm not opposed to it, even though I love Soldier Field. I think it gives them that opportunity to uh, stand up there with the, the best of the best when it comes to facilities in the NFL. I can't I can't disagree with that one, man. I definitely agree with that. Uh Thank you for joining us, bro. It's always always great to talk to you, man. Long time no speak. We definitely need to speak more. Uh, let them know where they can find you at. Everything you got going on. Of course, you you got a bar, uh, restaurant. Yeah, I man. still got to get out there yeah. next time I'm in town. Let everybody know everything you're doing. <laughs> yeah, you can just follow me on social media at Peyton Sun P A Y T O N S U N. And uh, yeah, flagship on the Foxes, my bar restaurant that I'm a partner in, and it's in St. Charles, Illinois, man. We. We're, we we popping out here in St. Charles, man. We're actually we're actually in the process of opening up another spot too, okay. right next door called called Dukes. So it's a uh, it's another bar. So we're we're creating, man. I'm trying to keep just uh you know adding to the portfolio and trying to figure out new ways to be able to reinvent myself and and also take my my love and passion for being an entrepreneur to another level. So. That's why I like seeing what you're doing, fam. You're Appreciate doing it, what bro. you got to do, man. Like, that's what it's about, creating something for yourself for long term. And listen, nobody's going to give you anything. So sometimes you got to create it. You got to make it. And I see what you're doing over there. And I respect the hustle, fam. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, so uh, thank you again, G. Thank you again. Oh, uh, no problem. And now we are going to get into the Goofy Market Week. Now, for anybody who is a fan of all our podcasts, and I'm pretty sure if you're watching this show, you've listened to my numerous podcasts on the Barber's Jet Network. We started the Goofy Goofy Market Week on 79th and Hollis years ago. Then I moved over to Bald Online. I took it from both of them shows. I feel like it's a good segment to have on here. Now, 
when we have these guys on. Now, if you're from Chicago, you know that Goofy is probably the biggest insult in the city. Rather be called a bitch than be called Goofy. Let's just be 100% real about it. So this one is going to go to people who I feel like did something goofy or, you know, did something crazy during the week. Uh, and if anybody gets offended about it, it's whatever. Anyway, we're going to get to this week's Goofy Mocking Week. I got to give it to Ben Zoberst, former Chicago Cub, World Series MVP. For anybody who's not familiar with the situation that's going on right now, it's got like a little, I want to see a love triangle, but his wife cheated on him with their pastor. Now, there's multiple problems about this. There's other stories that it wasn't just the pastor. I cannot confirm or deny this. Sources tell me it's more than the pastor. But anyway, you've got a situation where you leave your ball club for four to five months in the middle of a pennant, pennant race. Now, if you remember, this was the 2019 season. The Cubs are coming off a year where they've been to at least the NLCS, what, three of the last four seasons? And you just leave your team in the middle, and they say for marital issues. Come to find out. His wife was sleeping with the pastor. The pastor was telling him that, oh, you need to let her spread her wings and maybe she'll come back to you or some bullshit like that. All the time, she belonged to the streets and to the pulpit. So there's a problem here. Now, you're probably wondering, why would I blame him for his wife cheating on him? That's not his fault. I disagree. And this is here why I disagree for two reasons. Number one, you know her. You know, there's probably things that was, it just, just don't pop out of nowhere. Your wife just cheats with the preacher. There was signs that you ignore. And by the way, she put out a post on her Instagram. Now, I wanted to put it on the screen, but she deleted it. Uh, a post where she was basically blaming him for being a toxic male. And I, I listened to all your rules. You're not dressed the way you wanted me to dress. You know, and she, what she said, your, your religion is not why I wanted to follow. Basically blaming him for sleeping with the pastor. And my problem is this. It's not that the cheating, whatever, is you fucked up the bag. You gave up $8 million. $8 million for this. You should never. Amen. Look, I want $8 million for any type of situation. I'm standing there to get my fucking money. Period. So I got to give it to him for that. And now he's trying to sue the pastor for the amen. Good luck getting that. Good luck in. And they're like, oh, well, he should call the Cubs and, and try to get his money back. If I'm the Cubs, if I'm Jed Hoyer or, or Tom Riggins, I'm like, fuck you. Okay, I'm not paying you because you wanted to leave us because your wife I had chosen. We, we, we can't do that, dog. We can't do that whatsoever. You played yourself and you just, you look, man, you, you count your L's, bro. Count your L's. And not only that, you left the game, bro. Ain't nobody trying to sign you after that. Like, come on, man. So I got to give Mogwee Mogwee this week to Ben Zobris. What a fucking dumbass! I, I just don't know what else to say, bro. I, I just, it, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. But never, never tweak. It's $8 million, bro. Don't, don't tweak on that, man. So that is Mogwee Mog of the week. Uh, we're going to outro this, man. I appreciate everybody for joining me on this first episode of I'm Not Gonna Hold You. I want to shout out my guests, J.R. Bain, Jared Payton. Uh, thank you, uh, you guys, for joining me. We're going to try to have as many guests as possible. Might not be every week, but we're going to try to get it as much. Uh, maybe might even have some in studio. I want to do that, too. Uh, I'm not going to... Uh, it's not going to pick a solid date every week we're going to drop. We're going to drop every week. I just don't know which day it'll be. And we're going to try to drop it on Thursdays as much as possible. 
Uh, go to youtube.com, HMB Media TV. That's where you can find us. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, Barber, at Barbershare Scott. Follow the Barbershare Network at, at Barbershare Net on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Hoops and Brews at Hoops and Brews. And of course, at HMB Media TV, patreon.com backslash Barbershare Network. Man, uh, we will be doing summer sessions coming back soon. I know y'all been hitting me up. Where's that? We've been going through a lot. All, all four of us been busy. But it's coming, so look out for that. And uh, we're going to holler at y'all next week. I'm not going to hold you. Money on the other line, so I'm not going to hold you. Money on the other line, so I'm not going to hold you. Money on the other line, so I'm not going to hold you.